This is Power 1 and 2 Digital, the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. Richard, Richard Rockabar is like, well, let's see to myself, Steve Kahn. Ruben is in a mix there somewhere, all right? Uh, before we get into the results of our morning poll and our guest, Mr. Mariana Brown, let's take a look at what's happening traffic-wise. It is. Hmm. I tell you. All right. Uh, Piaco towards you. He's very heavy. He's in Helena, taking the southern main road by around the Chinchin area. We've got some traffic. Uh, Rivlet Road's a bit busy, San Fernando, not too bad, not too bad. Uh, we're going to Harmony Hall is a bit heavy, and if you're going to exit into San Fernando, yeah, you're going to get traffic from Harmony Hall, heading towards the Turuba Link Road, all right? But your traffic on the Solo, if you make your way up north, uh, from Charlieville, Rivlet, not Rivlet, Monroe Road is heavy as well. Eastern Main Road, not that bad as well, usual spot, but heavy from Q-Rep heading towards uh, San Juan and an extension mobile junction going up Lady Young Road as well. All right, Mocha on the Marval, Moncoco Road under the saddle, got some traffic there. And all routes out of Dago, including Moncoco Road into Dago, you've got some traffic. All right, um, let's see. I got two more votes. I got um, not a thing, says Sam. And Maraval on the road. I haven't heard from you in such a long time, Maraval on the road. Hope all is well. Sadly, nope. Thank you so much. All right. So let's get the results of our morning pool, gentlemen. What we got there, Richie Rich? Well, our pool this morning was, do you expect any heads to rule in the office of the AG? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, pursue the $21 million payout to former accused in the Vinja Naipaul, Kulman Mata. We had 22 people voting on the poll in the allotted time. Mm-hmm. Of the 22, 19 said no. They don't expect anything to happen. Three said yes. Wow. Okay. So 19-3 is the result. Of course, you can continue to vote on this poll throughout the day, through all programming, and we'll give you the final results tomorrow morning. Which, by the way, will be Thursday. We are already at the midweek point in the week, believe it or not. It's also, of course, the 1st of February. Uh, So it's the beginning of a new month on this Tuesday morning. 
and it's also my sister's birthday. So I have to say happy birthday to my sister. I don't know if she's listening, <laughs> but if she, I know sometimes she listens. I don't know if she's actually listening, but happy birthday to you, Naila. Happy, happy, happy birthday. All right. Well, after I just gave him a buff. Good morning to Mr. Mariano Brown. What's happening? Nothing much. Recording in progress. Thank you, Dorothy. Was that Mario? Sorry. A new year is in progress. A new year, a new month. One month of the year is gone already. Yes. It's zipping by. It is about to continue. Mm -hmm. um, happy new month to you. Today is February. That's sure I forgot. Yeah, rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. All right. So, of course, we have Paul and we have Richard and we have Wendell somewhere in the mix. So, good morning to you once again. I hope you have a good year, too. Thank you. And likewise. All right, so let's get into it, Rich. So Mariano, oh, I oh, saw Mar Mariano sound like he under some PM. That's why he got a buff this morning. He doesn't sleep. <laughs> he, he, but you went pan crawl last night or what? No, I did not. Okay. <laughs> you just sound you sound a bit under the weather. He it's did. very cold outside. I have to tell you. I stepped outside just now. It's cold. Yes, it is. Mm. I, I was outside myself for a little while. So, Mariano, of course, we, we wanted to talk about the Dragon Field and the license that the Trinidad and Tobago government would have been granted um, to pursue um, um, that field. Um, what's your take on it? I mean, I, I know I, I read, uh, I perused your article on it, but I'll let you explain it to our listening audience. What's your take on that entire yes. There's a, there's a difference between the Manatee Field and the Dragon Gas Field. The Lauren Manatee Field is what we would call cross-border gas, meaning like a water tank between your neighbor's fence and our fence, and both of us can take water out of it at the same time. That's Manatee. Dragon Gas is in Venezuela waters. It's Venezuela's gas. <clears throat> so in the case of Lauren Manatee, you have to agree uh, unitization principle who's going to get uh, is it because literally you could draw all the uh, value out of the wells from one side so it means you have to have your partner's agreement in terms of what's going to be withdrawn how much is going to be withdrawn at any point in time so that's ma that's manatee on the other side with dragon gas um, it's in Venezuela waters, so you need Venezuela's mission and agreements at the country level. Countries have to agree, and then all the other state agencies have to line up, and they have to have agreements. And then by definition, you also have to have agreements between the um, contracting parties, what, what, what you would call the operators, who's going to operate the field, who's going to... Um, who's going to Put the, put the drilling platform and run the run the lines. So America can't give Trinidad a license to operate in Venezuela waters. We have given Trinidad a waiver from sanctions, from the application of sanctions for a period of two years. So it's not a license to operate. The U.S. government cannot give anybody any authority to operate in Venezuela waters. The only person who can do that is Venezuela. 
So for a project to go ahead, you have to have uh, a project effectively, and this is a, is a right to extract a natural resource. That's what that type of project is, is a right. And that right is controlled by the relevant government, in this case, Venezuela. So the U.S. does not have any local standby where that is concerned. So that has to be agreed with Venezuela on terms and conditions which are acceptable to Venezuela. <clears throat> so those are things which have to be negotiated. The waiver, on the other hand, seeks to impose conditionalities on the agreement and on what Trinidad and Tobago can agree with Venezuela. And by definition, what Trinidad and Tobago can pay Venezuela. Because one of the conditions, um, which is a condition which was also given to Chevron, um, is that you cannot, um, you can't, you, you're not supposed to pay Venezuela in cash. Uh, so that's a fundamental, in terms of an agreement between the parties, if I'm coming to you to, to extract your asset, then my definition is, Another legal government, for example, suppose Shell um, is being given a right to explore a field. Um, and Shell says, Well, I'm going to pay you, you know, I'm going to extract the gas and I'll give you benefits in kind. Mm-hmm. Well, that would hardly be acceptable to another legal government. And in such an instance, you could be pretty sure it's not going to be acceptable to Venezuela either. Because, by definition, Venezuela, given the sort of penury and difficulties that exist there from a political and economic perspective, it needs cash to rebuild its economy, it needs cash to rebuild its infrastructure, its energy infrastructure in particular. Because you're not getting any investors coming in to um, build new equipment or refurbish old equipment and generally get the operations. So Venezuela, which has the largest reserves of oil in this in the Western Hemisphere, um, has moved from producing three, almost four billion, so four million cubic feet a day to roughly about six or seven hundred thousand as we speak. So it's operating at um, a significant below capacity. And as a result, we all know what happened to train that when um, our earnings from in the energy sector fell. Well, Venezuela is in that position. Mariana, good morning. Just just before you go on, uh, I don't know if it's too late to say Happy New Year because it's the first of February. But how much of a factor is the uh, impasse with Russia, Ukraine, and that gas oil situation on America's seeming softening on its position toward Venezuelan sanctions for countries like Trinidad and Tobago? Well, you, one has to understand that in the oil business, the oil production of oil and production of refined product is a blend. Right? They blend different um, different viscosities and so on to get the output that you're looking for. And most people do not know that the United States the United States, refineries in the United States imported Russian oil, some percentage, not necessarily a big percentage, but a small percentage. Um to, as part of the blending requirements. And similarly, they also imported a, a significant amount of Venezuela oil um, for blending. <clears throat> now, there's a, they can't import Russian oil because of the sanctions, but they, Venezuela is close and they've always been able, notwithstanding the fact that there have been sanctions on Venezuela, there has been always a waiver of some of the sanctions to import oil from Venezuela for blending purposes. 
So it does have a factor um, in terms of demand for Venezuela's oil. You could say that the U.S. refineries need Venezuela oil. So there is a factor, um, given the fact that we're not going to import any more Russian oil. So it is a factor. Outside of that, um, you know, as it is, the demand and supply is a function of, of international movement. So if there's less production, and there has been less production overall, um, that's one of the reasons why energy prices spiked. So it's important to have new oil come into the market, and if Venezuela has oil that's not being used, then you want to use it. The point about it is that um, the U.S. government is also saying that they basically put in terms and conditions on any agreement with Venezuela. Well, I mean, if you and I are about to do a deal and somebody says, well, don't pay him and he can't pay him, is that deal going to go ahead? So that's, that's an improbable factor. So what do you think your your article kinda well it not kinda indicated the the, the tech the, the main headline was uh we were outmaneuvered. Give us some context as to why you feel we were outmaneuvered in, 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 in the article. Well, because I mean to develop to do all of those agreements first of all, let's just understand this. There's the difference between technical feasibility financial feasibility, economic feasibility. There are different risks all along in every project moving along. And it also needs, because of that, you also need time. Time to arrange everything in position. And because this is, you have a right to extract, those rights also have to be basically encased and enshrined in agreements, legally binding agreements between the parties. They are contractual in nature. So you don't just go and today and just put on a field. Um, all those agreements have to be done. And as I said, they have to be agreed at the level of the state, country to country. Um, then at the level of the agencies involved. Then at the level of the extracting and or contracting parties, which will be the international or multinational corporations doing so. It takes time to put those negotiations in place. I am sure that they've done, and I think Mr. Jupiter pointed that out, yesterday, that the, the extraction is technically feasible. In other words, you could put, you know how to run the pipelines, they know where the pipelines are going to go, um, they understand um, that they're going to have to put a rig in position and they've worked out how, how, all of those things that can be worked out. The point is that all the agreements, however, to allow this to happen, haven't take place. What's the price at which uh, you're going to pay me for, for what are the arrangements? What are the arrangements with regard to taxes? Um, which company is going to deliver what and at what price? What are the arrangements where that is concerned? And that's between the contracted parties. Those, take a, those things take a long time to sort out. And also, too, you also have to um, align all the um, technical parties. Somebody has to arrange for the rigs. Who's going to pay for it? They have to build the rig. Well, what, what you're describing part. is seem to be a lot of outstanding negotiations but the the initial impression i got and you probably have no say in what the in, in in the headline of the article was it seemed as if it wasn't a good development the headline, the headline of the article is mine i put it right. but and but don't you think is, it was a good the negotiations the outstanding negotiations are uh taken into consideration no, as you found client clearly but agreed. isn't it a good development in the right direction okay. Or good development, meaning what? 
How long Meaning is the project? Meaning can be potentially beneficial for Trinidad and Tobago. So it's poten- anything is potentially beneficial. Anytime the Trinidad and Tobago gets more gas, either in its own right or in somebody else's, from somebody else's water, that's a good thing. But America cannot give you that right. That has to be agreed with Venezuela. Right? And then that, that all the contracting parties have to agree. Right, you get a waiver for two years. First of all, what's the length of a time for an economic project? If you were to borrow money, as a, if you were a commercial house and you wanted to basically build a new factory, how, how long, what, what type of loan will you negotiate? What's the time frame of the loan? One year, two years? I don't think the, the, the limitation of the time frame allows us adequate time. It doesn't to... allow you time to do anything. But but isn't that open to extension if with a further negotiation? Is it well, is it a fait complete that well it's a two year initially? Because I don't know. I'm asking you. You are going to go and make an agreement. You are going to go and start negotiations. It's going to take you about a year or two years to line up all those agreements. Then you have to basically build, construct a rig on a platform, right? And you're not going to build a rig on a platform until you make certain all those agreements are in position. And those rigs have to be specifically designed for what you're going to do. You know, you know how you're positioning them. But every rig is the same. So that all of that has to be done. Right? That's uh, Everybody has agreed that will take about three to four years. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any argument about it. The waiver is for how long? Two years? Right? Well, where's a two-year waiver in the context of four years to line up your whole project? You give me a two-year waiver, so I will go and talk. I will spend money. I'll do X, Y, and Z, but you give me a waiver for two and by the way, how long does it take for the project to pay, pay back for itself? A project of its very nature, the plants and point leases have been there for how long? 25 years? The, the latest plant was built by uh, Mitsubishi somewhere between 2010 and 2014, somewhere thereabouts. Right? So that's the newest plant. All the other plants have been there for 20-something years. What is that in the context of a two-year waiver? What does that mean? So, so what do you think should have been the approach, given well, what they, you've they said here? But I'm, thinking, I'm thinking that it has to be that they expect that there will be an extension. That's the, that's P- what I said earlier. Yeah, the PDFSA and Shell and Trinidad and Tobago don't have crazy are negotiators, you, Mariano. Are you going to undertake a project that is going to cost you three to four hundred million US dollars and you will start but, spending all the money now and then when at the end of two years you've already spent about a hundred and hundred million dollars, you will say, "Can we get an extension, please?" Is that what you're going to do? You are you are you are sitting on four hundred million dollars. You're going to borrow four hundred million dollars. You say, "I'm going to start the project. I'm going to spend a hundred million dollars, and when I spend and after I finish spending it, I'm just going to, I'm going to ask for another waiver." So, are you saying that Shell is going to back out? Because if you are saying all of I'm the figures. No but I'm saying Shell is part of it. I am saying you, I'm sure that Shell has worked out technical feasibility and all of that. I am saying that there's no project. A project requires agreements, which by definition would last for a minimum of 15 years. You started off by asking for 10 and you get two for a 15 year project. You're going to start out, you're going to spend $400 million for two years and then sit down and go negotiate for another two. You, uh, you, you could be a realistic businessman if you were doing that, for sure. And I know Shell is not going to do that. So start over again for me, please. There is no project. 
So given that, so so the 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 issue of so that. So you're saying there's there, no project. You're saying that there's nothing. To, nothing is going to go forward. Is that what well, you're there's saying? An, I, there's an idea, right? We have agreed, and we have been at this position, as Jupiter said. We have been talking to Venezuela about developing the field since 1985, right? So we are still talking about it. We haven't come to any agreement with Venezuela yet. You cannot go and put a rig down at Venezuela uh, without Venezuela's permission. You could go. You could go and build a, by you and attorney. If you go and build a house on another man's land, what is that? You give a free gift to the man, correct? So, by definition, then what we have is we have what you call it an opportunity. An opportunity to make certain arrangements and discuss certain things. Two years is not any time frame that is useful to allow a project either to proceed or to succeed. That's it. That's it. That's the more the key point in the in the article. Two years is not enough time. So I don't care who is involved. Like it could be it could be anybody. Right? There is no you do not have you have not come to the necessary arrangements between the two contracting parties. The U.S. is not a contracting party here. To put it in legal terms for you, Richard, the contracting, relevant contracting party is the Venezuela government and the Trinidad and government in terms of the overall sovereign rights which are involved here. Quite apart from the other interested parties, right, NGC and Shell, just to name two. There are a lot more. You cannot go and do anything in Venezuela unless all of those things have been agreed. And they have not. And I am saying two years is not a time, a basis on which any project could succeed. Uh, the energy project, by its very nature, is long term. As it was, the government of China and Diego asked for a waiver of 10 years. They were granted a waiver of two. And on that basis, I gave you nothing. So, so what you're saying is that the effusive uh, congratulations about the development is, are not warranted? No. Well, I mean, you, well, you got something, um, but it's not what you want. I mean, just consider Chevron, for example, in Venezuela. Chevron is probably one of the few Western companies that have rights in Venezuela that still operate. And the United States government gave them the go-ahead to extract oil um, on condition that they do not pay the Venezuela government for it in cash. Well, and they don't expand the operations beyond the operations that they existed in 2019. In other words, you can't do any development. You could only use what you have. You can take out oil. And I don't want you to pay the U.S. government. Now, I don't know if you all know Citgo, um, which is a gas station company. Um, it's a front end for Pedalinsa. It's owned by Pedalinsa. That has been subject or seized or there's an argument over um, whether Conoco, whose assets were seized in Venezuela by Venezuela's authorities, has, has went, went before the international courts and obtained judgments against the Venezuela government, as a result of which they seized certain uh, equipment 
in, I think, a reward yourself. And they also attempted to liquidate Sipco, um, sell Sipco to somebody else. The only reason why ConocoPhillips has not been able to go ahead with that is that there was an executive order by the U.S. president stopping Conoco from proceeding with it on the, presum- on the understanding that the proceeds from Sitco, Sitco is owned by Venezuela, would be going to an account which should be used for humanitarian purposes towards Venezuela. All right, so Conoco was stopped, stopped in its action. Now, I am saying that you have all these companies which have there are 20-something, 20 23 or 20, 20, somewhere between 20 and 24 actions against Venezuela at the international courts. So these are all these sort of Western companies. The only people who, are, who have operated more um, bought oil from, from, from Venezuela within recent times have tended to be, um, well, the US, the U.S. is still buying some oil. They have waivers under the sanctions because they need them for blending purposes. And, and they're not going to, the U.S. government is not going to cut off its nose to spoil its face. So they still have some oil which is proceeding outwards, but they have a severe limitation. They are attempting to put a stranglehold on the on, on, on Venezuela's economy. Now you are a national government, you are Venezuela. Right? You are going to sit down across the table from Trinidad and to negotiate the rights of this field. Um, of course we're going to talk about taxation, of course we're going to talk about production sharing arrangements. Those are internationally accepted methodologies. And what general legal government is going to tell me that you're not going to, you know, we're not going to pay um, to extract it because um, the U.S. government tells us we we can't. Well, how, that, how is that proceeding for a year, two years? How is that going to proceed? Oh, we see. Um, I want to bring the conversation to, uh, if you could give us an update from your uh, knowledge, because you you are clearly plugged into the system on the challenges that we we've had with Atlantic uh, last year and year before. And if you think there's been any progress made in the resolution of those issues? Well, um, <clears throat> it depends upon what you consider to be resolution. Point is train one is shut down. I think everybody accepts that now. There's not enough sufficient gas to be able to operate train one. It is interesting to be those interest to get additional gas out of its own fields. Um, that's one of the reasons why they've been having bid rounds. But it's, it's gas in deeper waters. It's more expensive to do. And people aren't jumping at us to basically do it. So we need gas. Right? We are down. We are operating roughly um, from our high points. We built enough of factories or manufacturing plants to basically use 4 billion cubic feet a day. And now we are producing 2.9. When we had problems and the plans were complaining in, 20, in 2014, 2013, 2014, we were producing 3.6. Right? At today's date, we're producing 2.7. Right? So it's, 20, it's, it's a lot less. And it's a lot less down. It's a lot, a lot more down from its high point. We're 40% below the high point, 25% between, between where we were having problems and plans were shutting down. The only reason why plants are operating at Trinidad and Trinidad now at what Mr. Jupiter calls 70% of capacity, and not all the plants are operating, uh, is because <clears throat> the prices are higher, and therefore um, it, it compensates for the inefficiency at operating at 70%. These plants are not built to operate at 70%. They're built to operate at literally close to 100% on a continuous basis. 
right? So a, a 70% difference is a 30% difference between the away from your maximum production capacity. It's expensive. How much yeah. revenue do you think we, we're foregoing uh, uh, given the, the low capacity operation I, of the plants? I can't, I can't, I mean, by definition, operating 30% of what you're running now. To start off with, if, you, if you're operating at 30% less, you start saying we're within 30% than what we could have afforded. And if, and if, for example, the price of that is variable. You have to remember, in 2018, plants were shut, right? And we still, and we had more gas than we had now. We had at least 3.3 million. 3.3 billion cubic feet a day. And we, we had plants which were shut because the price was uneconomic. So it's not just simply production. It's a combination of production and price. We are operating at below capacity now because the price compensates for the increased operating costs that you incur as a result of operating below capacity. Interesting. Uh, the so you don't see, given the the policies exposed, the production levels to increase because the price is not up to us, the price takers, as, as you've indicated on many occasions. Uh, and the, the the moves by the by the government have not resulted in increased production levels, to my knowledge. Or am I wrong? No, they haven't been just no. I mean, production. When 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 Minister Inbert, for example, says that the Trinidadian economy is growing and the output of national gas is increasing, well, it increased from an average of two point six last year to an average of two point seven. Sorry, an average of two point six or two point five in twenty twenty one. To an average of 2.7 in 2022, right? So yes, there's an increase. So from 2.5 to 2.7 a day, right? That's an increase, but that is still less than the output that was happening in 2018 when it was 3.3. So it's a relative position. What changed between 2018 when we had more, we were producing more gas in 2018 than we were producing in 2022 is that prices went up in 2022. That's the difference, right? That's critical issue. So the fundamental issue with regard to the viability of Trinidad and Tobago's natural gas position is one that we need more gas. We need more gas. Right? You need, well, we need to clear this up to a maximum of 40% more gas. You want to have everything running and everything running running efficiently. You need at least, you need to bring it up to at least 4 billion cubic feet. So it's important, but would, what would um, what would Lauren Manatee and Jagan bring? At least about another 500 million cubic feet a day, right? So that carries up to just about 3.2, 3.3, still below what we need. So we still need more gas. The point is that we will be better off than operating at 2.5, 2.7 a day. So that's a positive. That's a positive. The difficulty is making those agreements and those arrangements stick right you can't do it in two years that's my point simple as that that's the the dragon feed is bringing that to fruition if at all that's not a two-year exercise yeah um that's this, not a, this is a, a, a by the way question <laughs> and, and something that's i'm just curious about what do you think is the plan for petrochem the the, the the sale of that asset the refinery because I mean, it's been what three years now, if I'm not mistaken, could be more. New, well, well, it's probably reaching the plant where uh, what you call the refinery. The refinery would have already been in a distressed position, 
right? A plant, and you don't leave, you can't park a car up for six months, and you certainly can't park a refinery up for, for three years without having a significant degradation of existing equipment, right? Um, a new refinery costs $19 billion to, to build, right? On current estimates on where they build plants everywhere, so they've been having tremendous overruns, and they're not building too many new plants anywhere in the world, right? for all sorts of environmental considerations and so on and so forth. So you have a plant here, and we have, um, if you want to put up, well, the, initial, the initial plant that, that uh, PetroTrain was built to um, process 400,000 barrels a day. At 150,000 barrels, that's way below what it, was, what it was initially designed to do. But it needed to be refurbished, and that's one of the reasons why they had a whole set of projects at PetroTrain to be able to refurbish them. Those projects did not run well. Whoever is taking over the plant has to spend about a couple of billion, a couple of billion, about three or four billion US to refurbish the plant. That's still cheaper than building a new plant. There is enough oil, not entering that, but certainly coming from coming from what Guyana, if Guyana needs to get a share of Guyana's oil in terms of processing. And we could also, from the point of view of security for, natural, for gas in the region, which is an important thing, that's one of the reasons why. Electricity cost in, I mean, for example, consider the new prices. Electricity cost in the rest of the, the, rest of the region, which imports uh, energy, fuel oil, is somewhere in the region of 36 US cents um, per kilowatt hour. In Trinidad, the oil averages somewhere between four and six. Right? That's on the basis of subsidized gas positioning. Mm-hmm. So it's a huge difference. <clears throat> All right. You will want energy security. You will want to know that you have adequate supplies, and you would want to know that if you're making use of the resources which are available to you in the best possible way. Uh, we, the economics of, for example, of, of um, <clears throat> refining aluminum from, from Guyana and or from Jamaica is, is still a relevant project. The same way as um, refining oil out of Guyana is a relevant project too. Now, the point is to find an operator who is prepared to take it on and run it. And quite frankly, that is also caught up in a legal imbroglio with regard to the original. I mean, in the sense that Petrochrin is still there, you know, it's Petrochrin Holdings. What we've done is strip out um, two divisions and make them companies, right? So that there's still legal obligations with regard to the um, pledging of, of Petrochrin on security. If that has to go to somebody else, well, somebody has to pay off the debt. Which has been the, it's one of the main issues uh, for the, well, the, the, the issues that have been, the, the reasons articulated by the state anyway, the government anyway, for Correct. forming new companies. Right. Now, re- remember, um, and, and the point is, that's one of the reasons why multinational oil companies are divisionalized. There's cross-subsidization in the operations. At any one point in time, for example, refining is critical but at the same token, refining may not be where the money is made. The money may be made in, ex- in well, generally is made in exploration and production. The refinery basically is a margin business. When I say a margin business, um, they're making about 10 cents on the dollar, 15 cents on the dollar. That's why when you look at all the gas stations in, in the U.S. and they drive past the prices, tell us what you want. It is three point two, um, $3.25.59 um, cents, right? Is there tight, tight pricing, pricing formulations? Every gas station doesn't sell at the same price. We sell everything that sell at the same price here because of the way the formulation of gas pricing is done, which is controlled by the government. 
if it were a competitive market situation, then we'd have different, as we did in the 60s, in the early 60s, we had different companies. There was Shell, there was Texaco, um, I can't remember, there was Esso. There were at least three or four companies operating in Trinidad and Tobago. And all of them had different prices for gas, not one. What are your thoughts on the, the, the announcement and development of the uh, Lighthouse BP solar plant uh, that has been announced by the mm-hmm. government uh, and, and its generating capacity in the context of the overall energy uh, strategy and the, the possible use of the, 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 the that energy as a source and, and, and using gas, the gas that would have normally made that energy f- for different purposes? Trinidad is 15 years behind the ball in that. I mean, there are what you call it. How many? There are about three or four wind plants, well-established wind plant, wind, wind farms, uh, wind farms and, and, and solar plants in, in uh, providing energy into the grid in Jamaica. Right? The Barbadians have certainly created all illegal infrastructure and have established um, electricity solar plants for, for, for that particular purpose. People have been doing it private and doing it on a private basis and ongoing basis, distinct from having a big farm. They have created opportunities for that already elsewhere. We don't have the law in position for it. We don't have. We didn't have the infrastructure in position for it. So it's a. I mean, it's a. It's a. It's a good development. It's just 15 years late. Well, we know we're behind it because, well, as I keep saying, if you drive around Barbados, you see residential solar panels in almost every other house. And yes, the, the law needs to change. It doesn't seem that we, as a policy have any urgency in dealing with the law to make it mm-hmm. easier and more convenient for, for residential and no commercial uh, operators to go hybrid uh, solar system. The Minister of Public Utilities told us that the, the, the plan is to have uh, a law in place and a system in place where people who create uh, excess energy can be paid for bid by the state in some sort of hybrid situation. But mm-hmm. we're not seeing the kind of inertia whether it's considered to me anyway well well you're absolutely right um and at the end of the day both regulatory systems um for example the price the whole question of pricing of i mean that's one of the things the minister said how many years ago that he's going to um adjust the regulations to allow um the price to vary with regard to international prices well that hasn't taken place as i empty promise we're still at the level of subsidies now. The point is, if the price varies, you're paying market open market prices. In the case of of solar wind, in the case of what you call it, um, um, what we call non renewable energy, I mean that's a that's something we ought to have been doing a long time. Right? I'm saying that we've never taken it seriously, precisely because the economics has been wrong. Right? When I say the economics has been wrong, right? Um, at the time when my students looked at it. Right, the break-even price for operating in a solar panel. Solar panels is about 15 or 16 cents, U.S. cents per kilowatt hour. Well, if Fientech is supplying at 6 cents, a heavily subsidized rate, well, who is going to build a solar plant to be able to do it? The only things you have to do is to, the same way that you want to <clears throat> free the market pricing for energy in, the, in the, what we call the fuel market, then by definition you have to do the same thing in the electricity market. You can't be allowing having a subsidy and then telling people well, go and produce at the higher price where I subsidize it at the other price is not going to happen. Right? That's why nothing took place. Right? The reality is that TN Tech cannot survive 
um, on the present arrangements because the electricity rates does not give it enough. But, it, but it's a political cost for raising that 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 and electricity rate as we've seen it, with the responses to the IC consultations. There's an economic cost for the country. The country is inefficient. Right? It's inefficient in terms of doing those things. So the point is that you're you're, you're stifling this. You're stifling. Tech cannot operate properly if it isn't being paid to pay all the other players, right? Yeah, and the government doesn't have the wherewithal to subsidize it anymore. Then the reality is that you cannot, you cannot maintain the subsidy. That is the economic reality of Trinidad and Tobago. You cannot maintain the subsidies in, in electricity forever. You can't do it. You don't have the income to do it. By the way, if, for example, in 2018, the 50% of the plants were closed because they couldn't operate at the lower prices and there wasn't enough gas, <coughs> To keep them running on an efficient basis, so it can, I can't run at I can't run at fifty and sixty percent, right? It's uneconomic, and the price at which you're charging me for gas is a substantial increase in the price of natural gas being paid by the by the the, the producing companies, the companies which produce met, uh, methanol and ammonia, substantial increase in price. So they started shutting the plants, right? We had three point three billion cubic feet of natural gas then. Now we're down to two point seven, right? We have less. <clears throat> But the plants are open. That's because it's more, it, you can run it at the higher prices. I'm not going to make as much money as I would have because it's inefficient to produce at 70%. Right? Well, what's the difference tomorrow? If the prices change, what is Trinidad the Bagel's position? We'll be back to where we were uh, in, in terms of 20, uh, the, 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 the depression that we had between 2015 and, 20, and 2022, 2021, six years. Right? We'll be in the same position. The only thing that has changed is the prices on the international market have increased. Everything else has remained the same or got worse. Right? You're producing less gas. That's the reality we that's the reality we're facing, you know. So when the minister starts off and saying that we're doing well and there's growth and everything else is gonna happen, you have to put that in the context that you're producing twenty twenty five percent less gas and on the other side of the fence, the prices of 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 LNG and um, <clears throat> methane and ammonia in particular had risen by a factor uh, of literally rose by about what 100 to 200 percent, right? A significant increase in prices, right? Instead, I'm, I'm getting two to three times the amount of money I used to get for the same ton of ammonia. Well, that makes it economic. If the market settles down, if the war in Ukraine basically comes to an end. Right. What happens to international prices? They will drop. Right. So when when the, when those prices drop, is Trinidad and Tobago in a better place, or is it in the same position or worse position than it was in 2018? That's the reality that you're facing. The only thing that has saved us is the increase in prices in the international market, and that's the reason why you have to compensate. But you want gas from everywhere. You want to run more gas, but at the same token. Trinidad Tobago doesn't have, NGC can't go and drill no well. It doesn't have the capacity to do that. It's a pipeline company, it's a transportation company. It's not a drilling company. That's why you need Shell and BP, <clears throat> right? NGC has no capacity to do that at this stage. Uh, it may develop the capacity and that's required to spend billions of dollars. The diff- difficulty is, um, and, and we have a train, train one is down. You don't have enough gas for that. 
So Trinidad Tobago's economic position is heavily dependent on what takes place in the Russia-Ukraine war. If that comes to an end and prices go back down, we will return to depression, the depressionary conditions we had before. All right, Mariano, thank you for being with us, as usual. Always a pleasure hearing your perspective. You take care. It looks like you're going to pull back over that cover now. No, 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 quite the opposite. I I was up. (laughs) Yeah, I was talking about Yes. Thanks a lot, man. All right. Thank you so much, Mariano Brown. You take care. Bye-bye. All the best. Recording stopped. It'd be interesting to get probably Kevin Ramner in tomorrow to see what his perspective is in the dragon field development. I saw an article where he said it's a good development uh, and to, to propose to him, Marion, this perspective of the two-year timeline that seems impractical to Mariano in the context. But as, I, as Richard and, and I said, I mean, there's nothing stopping uh, the government from asking for an extension after the two year because if if the if the i'm sure that was a consideration well two years is not enough time to complete the project and bring it to some level of productive fruition but you know we see what i think the prime minister addressed that issue you know and um and you know that's why i stayed away from that conversation kind of thing because i i just can't handle the level of negativity sometimes well, if, 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 if you have information that the Prime Minister address the situation, just put it on your table. No, 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 no. I was, I'm, I'm actually having problems connecting to my Bluetooth, so I'm, I'm holding my phone, which is not advisable. I don't know why my my phone is not connecting to the Bluetooth in the vehicle now. Um, but, you know, but I got some disturbing news in, in transitioning um, that I don't know how accurate it is. I saw Steve put it up. Um, but I heard it on another radio station also, and they just check it into it. Uh, and I've been getting a flood of messages about it. Um, so I, I just, I just, um, I was just kind of, my mind, it just threw me for a while there temporarily, you know, but I'm, I'm on the way down. Hopefully that news will be cleared up or, or more, more information will come to hand before, before the end of our show. You know? All right. Well, I don't know what you are talking about, so. Yeah, but I don't know if Steve would have shared what he shared. No, no, no. I was just um. But I heard it, Steve. I heard it I mean, on a radio station. Actually, they I'm they trying really to get confirmation. And they're waiting on food. I'll tell you offline. Folks. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Four minutes before the hour of uh, eight o'clock. Of course, major news at the top of the hour, uh, eight o'clock. Thank you so much for joining us on the Paul Breakfast Show. Cool morning thus far. Twenty-two degrees. Well, that is not something that's going to be able to be hidden for, lot, for much longer, if, no. it, if indeed it's true. Well, the other radio station actually openly spoke about it and said they were waiting on further information. Mm. And where would that have happened? At a panyard. They said at a pan, panyard. He went, okay. he was on the pa, he went on the pan crawl last that, that's, 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 some, that's not information that we can responsibly broadcast without confirmation. Yeah. No. Uh, quite irresponsible no. of I-95. No. So we just wait. Oh. But plenty of people have been messaging me about it. I don't know why people feel I know. I actually was supposed to go on a pan caller because my MP got a call yesterday saying he had to attend. And so he was he was with me at the time. You know, I say, Well, you had to go. I say, All 
all but one of the Paniards in your in Port of Spain South, you know. It's only renegades in Port of Spain North. All the other Paniards are located in Port of Spain South. So it's only it's only fitting that the MP for Port of Spain South accompany the Prime Minister and his delegation on the pan crawl. <laughs> yeah, sir. So I say you had to go. And you want to maximize that wonderful asset. <laughs> What's that? No, I, 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 I did my pan call the other day. I tell him I couldn't make it. Right? I'm talking about having the larger percentage of pan theaters in the constituency. You have maybe been to maximize that. Then you say you all. But you're part of the, the MP's team, not so? Yeah, I'm the chairman of the constituency. That's my yeah, point. Well, why would I say you all if you know if I didn't know you're part of that? Okay, but I'm not sure what you mean by maximize. Monetize, maximize, use it as a selling point. Yeah, well, I mean, I do it when I get the chance. Yes, and I recognize the, the value of the of the top pan, pan, um, pan, pan, I wanted to do that pan well, crawl last night, but well, gentlemen, let me let me just jump in here. And this is from the office of the Prime Minister of Trinidad and Tobago. And it says, Prime Minister Dr. The Honorable Keith Rowley's schedule began before dawn yesterday and included a visit to Point Lisas. He worked throughout the day attending uh, to several matters of state. The Prime Minister also visited uh, several panyards yesterday evening. During the day, he did not have any meals and by 1.30 a.m. began feeling faint and had to be assisted to his vehicle while awaiting the performance with the judges at the Oval. The Prime Minister has since recovered and will chair the National Security Council meeting this morning at 10 a.m. Um, of course, Dr. Rowley would like to thank everyone who expressed concern and support. Please, right. give, it to, please give it to Mrs. St. Hilda when she comes in. Yeah, I'm... In process. It just came to me, so I'm, I just read it. I'm now sending it off to um to various. But thanks, thanks, thanks for that, Steve. It's, it's, that relaxed me a lot more because it was just all up in the air about whether he's in hospital yeah. and all different manner things. People I mean, we we wouldn't do speculations and then say, well, we wait in confirmation. Yeah. You know, we yeah. get the yeah. We won't talk about it until we get the facts. That's what we do here in Power One Two Digital. Yeah. So thanks for that. Thanks for but that. Sometimes that, it could just be. A hoax, fake news, mm -hmm. and you run with it, mm -hmm. and you spread fake news. Yeah, newsroom yeah. has it. All right, so All right, we had, well, um, you know, and and that was a, that was a real crawl last night. So it must have it must have taken. And and it, and it, and if if I'm reading what you with what you just said, correct, it was by Invaders, which is his band. That is his band. That is the band mm -hmm. he does support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he probably didn't want to miss, didn't want to miss that. And, and yeah, if you, if you, I mean, face the facts. If you start before dawn and you're going non-stop and you're having meetings and you're going here, there, and everywhere and you don't mm -hmm. have a meal, clearly, it lasts real long because by 8 o'clock I'll be like, oh, God, I can't make, I'm dying. Yeah. Find a he might have invited a little star or two to a star drinker. And yeah, maybe we had a drink or two, makes it even worse. So, you know, an empty stomach? No, 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 no. Thank you for choosing Power Water 2 Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.